0: And a great good morning to you and welcome to the show live from our ESPN studios. The Back Nine Boys Golf Show is brought to you by Mizuno Golf. Reach beyond by Club Car, the leader in sport, utility, and personal vehicles. By RSM, proud sponsor of the RSM Classic, giving back to our community. And by Bridgestone Golf, get fitted for your tourby ball today. On the show, we're going to talk with Elliot Mello of Bridgestone Golf about the new Bridgestone Golf experience, which features Tiger, Then we'll talk with the VP of Club Car, Mark Raquel, about the President's Cup Golf Cars and a new consumer car. The details will be coming out in the next 60 days. Then Gary Williams, formerly of the Golf Channel, now with five clubs, will talk about, of course, LIV versus PGA Tour. But up first is Bridgestone Golf's Elliot Mello. Good morning, Elliot. How are you? Good morning. How are we doing today? I am doing wonderful. I'm excited. It's just wonderful to have you on the show, and I'm just so glad that you're with us.
1: Yeah, excited to be back. Um, it's been a little while since we talked. We've got, we've got a lot going on, and I'm looking forward to sharing it.
0: Well, let's first talk about what's going on. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, 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 as you teased, we have the um, we have the Bridgestone Experience, which is... Uh, Augmented reality um, web app, AR, augmented reality, it's um, it's, it's like a hologram on your phone. So essentially you um, go to our website and you initiate the experience, and what happens is through the camera on your phone, um, you can place our tour pros in your living room on the first tee in the pro shop, wherever you might be, and you place them down, and um, it's like they're standing there talking to you um, about why they play our golf ball, what they like about our ball, um, and it, it's a very unique experience that, it, uh, it includes Tiger Woods, um, Kuchar, uh, Freddie talking about the RxS and then Lexi talking about why she switched to the Rx this year. Well,
0: this is an unusual thing that you guys have come up with. How did you come up with it as far as your team is concerned? Because I don't think anybody else out there is doing something like this.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think we continue to look at. At innovation and on numerous fronts, obviously we push the envelope of innovation when it comes to the actual golf ball. Um, you know, we, we play within the, the USGA rules, and we, we push them to the max of what those rules are from a performance standpoint of the product. Mm-hmm. We also look at ways to innovate beyond the product. You, um, you know, you look at the, the auto, the autonomous ball fitting that we came out with earlier in the year with the ball fitting robot, and the, the way to people, the, for people to self-select a golf ball. Um, and I think the Bridgestone experience is an extension of the way that we continue to innovate beyond the product. Um, you know, everyone's got a YouTube channel and a and a Facebook and a Twitter at this point that they communicate with the consumer. But we were looking for how do we make their how do we make it more of an intimate experience and something that's a little bit different. And that's kind of how we settled in on the AR, the the augmented reality for the Bridgestone experience.
0: I'm learning so much of all these initials, the millennial way to talk now. I mean, I think it's great. So tell us more about Otto.
1: Yeah, auto. Auto is uh, it's an autonomous ball-fitting cart. Um, and so you think back to uh, the original ball-fitting that we, that, that we pioneered and we still do to a certain degree, which was the Pepsi-Coke challenge of golf. You know, you hit, you hit your current golf ball, we get some data based on the data, the, the right. technician that has you try a Bridgestone ball, and um, eight out of ten times we can show improvement when switching to a Bridgestone ball. And so that combined with some of our other fitting initiatives over the years, um, we've got over three million fittings in our database, and wow. what we decided to do is how do we how do we use the power of those fittings to to help even more people? And so what Auto does is um, essentially it's self-service, right? So it's a uh, it's a touch screen that you answer a couple questions about your game, you hit three shots, and Auto's talking to you the entire time, just saying, hey, welcome, to, I'm Auto, welcome to the fitting. Let's hit some shots. After each shot, he calls out some numbers from the shot. You know, mm. you hit that one 248 yards. That's really good. Let's I try wish. another shot. And so as you're hitting all these shots, what Auto's doing on the back end is comparing um, your player profile to the profiles of those 3 million people that we've fed and saying, all right, based on, based on what you're looking for performance-wise and what your watch conditions are, um, we most likely would fit you into ball X, Y, Z. And that's kind of the, the, the secret sauce behind auto is, without all those live fittings that we've done for 16 years, we wouldn't have been able to do the the autonomous fitting.
0: All right. How often, let me ask you this, because a lot of people get fitted for clubs. They get fitted for putters. And now you're talking about getting fitted for golf balls. How often do the average weekend, weekday golfer have to be fitted? Is it once a year? Is it once every three or five years? What is your timeline?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's a good question. I, I... I typically answer this, that every two years is a good uh, good cadence for getting golf balls checked on. Um, And the reason I say that is every two years we come out with a new golf ball, um, and in the period of two years your swing is likely to change, your clubs are possible to change, Um, your physique and age are going to change. So all of those things are going to factor into how you're moving the club, which ultimately could factor into the ball that best fits your needs.
0: Interesting. Every two years need to get fitted. Well, I definitely am in that category, that's for sure. Um, Let me ask you this. You talked about on this Bridgestone experience that you worked with, you know, Tiger and Freddie and Matt. And What was it like, because I've opened up a golf course with Freddie Couples, and he's one of my favorites as far as being so laid back, but what was it like to work with Freddie?
1: Working with Freddie is great. I mean, the you know, when we go into these kind of, these kind of activities, we don't really there's not a script or anything of that nature. We kind of tell the guys what we're doing and let them get a grasp of what the goal is, and then they just kind of go to town in terms of what they want to talk about and what lines they want to deliver. Um, and you know, Freddie's Freddie's as is calm and cool as collected as it gets, and um, everything you would expect Freddie to be, and a true professional, and um, could talk. To could talk for days if we weren't on a limited amount of time over we with them.
0: Yeah, he's just—he was a great guy. We opened up a club down here with him, and he was just awesome to work with. Um, tell us, our listeners, about how Bridgestone got with Jason Day. That's a recent signing, isn't it?
2: Yeah, we signed—we officially
1: signed Jason um, a couple months ago. Um, so the Jason Day signing is a little bit interesting, right? So. You know, you think back to the importance of ball sitting, and that plays into how we got to where we are with Jason. So Jason had, um, through some, like, practice around off-course stuff and then also competition stuff, uh, been around Tiger and continued to see Tiger's Bridgestone Tour BXS um, performing and and behaving in ways that his previous golf ball could not. Um, And so ultimately he kind of reached out to us and said, hey, I want to try that ball that Tiger's playing because he's hitting some short game shots that, quite frankly, no other ball is capable of doing. Um, and so Jason was playing the Tor XS for a little while um, outside of contract with us. So we weren't paying him, but he played that ball for a, for a little while, like almost a year, I believe. Okay. Um, and then we kind of got with him, and uh, we put Jason through the fitting process, which was very eye-opening for him, and we converted him to the Tor X, which he's now playing, um, and then ultimately we, we decided on an endorsement deal. But it kinda, I think it kind of speaks to two things. It speaks, speaks to the fact that Tiger still is the needle and gets people's attention at all levels, including former world number ones like Jason Day. And then I think it speaks to the importance of fitting that, um, you know, somebody thinks, may, may think that the Tiger ball is the ball that's best for them, but ultimately through fitting we, we decide that there, there's maybe a better fit for all
0: players. All right. Let me ask you. Some people just like to use the ball that Tiger uses, or the Jason Day uses, or Freddie, or Matt. And I know they all use different balls. But what happens if somebody with a slower swing speed uses the X S or the X? Is it going to show a significant difference in their game? As far as the ball's not going to go as far, it may not perform as well.
1: Yes, I think I think X and, and R X S are a good example of this, right? So. So Tiger plays the excess, which is a very – it's a firmer ball, but it's a very high spin – all right, we build that ball to spin so Tiger can work it right, work it left, hit those hit those curvy shots they need to hit. Um, what happens if you swing under 105 miles per hour, um, you're not going to compress that ball as much. And so what happens is you're going to lose ball velocity by not compressing it. The other thing is the ball is going to deflect off the face. And so since that's a high-spin ball and it's having a deflective motion, if you hit a little slice – a, a, a firmer ball can exaggerate that slice to make it a bigger slice. Um, gotcha. So that's where a ball like the RXS comes into play. The RXS is similar characteristics Tiger's ball around the green. It's in a softer compression core that's easier to compress for the, for the guy that doesn't swing as fast.
0: Gotcha. I mean, that's a much better way to explain it because a lot of people out there says I want to play the ball the Tiger plays. And then they get that, and they're kind of disappointed in a way. So it's a good explanation. Probably, I hope helps a lot of our listeners out there pick the right ball. But what's the future of Bridgestone golf balls? I mean, how much better, how much farther are they going to be able to go and perform better?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think we continue to um, we continue to play within the USGA rules and push the envelope of what those rules are. And um, you know, from a distance standpoint, we're we're right up against the limits of what they allow. Gotcha. Um, but I think the thing a lot of people don't realize is the rules around the golf ball, they primarily are geared towards performance off of the driver. Um, and so when you get into the fairway woods, the irons, the wedges, the putter, okay. um, there's the rules are very limited and or non-existent. So, I mean, I think you continue to see us pushing, pushing the, the distance, um, to the max, but then I will see coming out from us, um, starting in January and continuing onward. Um, uh, technologies to kind of push the envelope in other areas where the rules aren't as um, as tight as they are around the driver.
0: Gotcha. So Bridgestone was at the PGA show in January. Not many of the majors were there. You guys were. I think it was great that you were coming up in January. Would you guys be at the PGA show?
1: Yeah, yeah. We're talking to the PGA show folks, and uh, okay. yeah, it's our intent to be there. We're, you know, obviously there's a lot of details to work through between now and January, but. Yeah, it is, it's our goal to be back at the PGA Show. You know, it's the it's the heartbeat of our industry. Yep. and um, we were we were we were very successful there this past January. It was it was great seeing a lot of folks like yourself that we hadn't seen in a while. And um, you know, we're we're looking forward to being back there again.
0: Well, I'll look forward to coming by and talking with you. And Elliot, as always, it's great to have you. And uh, thanks for being with us.
1: Thanks for having us, Rich. Have a good have a good weekend.
0: All right, you too, Elliot Mello of Bridgestone Golf, talking about their new Tiger Experience with Bridgestone Experience and their new auto fitting system. Up next is Mark Raquel of Club Car Golf. But if you're looking for new clubs, you might want to try the new Mizuno's, the 923 925s. They will improve your game. The new Mizuno irons will help you reach beyond depths and distances you've never believed you would have. And then you want to take a look at their driver. The fairway medals, the hybrids, and the hybrids, I think, are some of the best that are out there. They will help your game improve. And try the new models of their putters. They got mallets. They got blades. Check out everything at MizunoGolf.com. That is MizunoGolf.com.
3: Corn Ferry Tour, and you're listening to the Back Nine Boys Golf
0: Show. And welcome back. I'm Rich Stiles. We're glad that you are with us. Club Car is the leader in golf carts and sport utility vehicles. And with us on the phone is... VP of Club Car, Mark Raquel. Good morning Mark and welcome back to the Back Nine Boys Golf Show.
3: Hey, good morning Rich, how are you today?
0: I am doing great. Just got back from a little break. It was fun to get away and go to the North Carolina mountains and speaking of travel you're gonna be at the President's Cup in Charlotte. Tell us about the President's Cup cars.
3: Oh, yeah, we're very excited, um, you know, very similar to what you've experienced in the past with Club Car being there. We've got two nice looking vehicles that will be showcased, um, both for our team as well as the competitors' team. Um, so looking forward to showing those off for everybody that comes out and enjoys the President's Cup this year.
0: What kind of special features uh, will you have in these cars that you might not have in your normal Club Cars?
3: Oh, nothing special other than um, you know, just some great-looking colors uh, to uh, support the teams that are at play. Um, but we really like to showcase the onward vehicles um, as the primary uh, vehicle on course.
0: And you will then, as you have in the past, put those up for auction and give those to charity? Am I correct on that?
3: Uh, that's a part of it. Rich, sometimes we'll allow the captains to purchase the vehicles as well. So it really just depends on uh, what's remaining at the end.
0: Well, it'd be kind of cool to see Davis uh, driving around the island with that. That'd be fun. <laughs> it would be. Uh, yeah. So, what are you specifically going to be doing at the President's Cup? I know your team will be there, but what will y'all be doing, showing off and being at your little area where all the club cars are going to be?
3: Yeah, we we enjoy taking our um, key customers to the event and entertaining them while we're there, um, and also we're supporting the you know the PGA while you know they're putting on the event themselves. So we also provide a lot of other vehicles in the background, uh, support, supporting production, and um, you know all the other things that are required of the event.
0: Now, you and I have talked about the uh, Onward brand. And uh, when we were up in Savannah, um, saw some amazing things with the golf carts. That was really kind of fun. But I've also learned about the Build Your Own Onward. Tell us more about that. I found that fascinating.
3: Yeah. Um, You know, a lot of people like to personalize their vehicle, so we've created a configurator. And they can get on and create a product that may be lifted, special tires. They may want to have some sound bar systems in there, um, special seats. Um, So it just gives them a lot of flexibility in creating their own personalized vehicle.
0: And sometimes with a personalized vehicle, I know it also comes with a locking glove box, uh, storage under the seats, a different kind of windshield. I mean, you can really, really add a lot of things that you would want in a golf cart that may not come with it when they buy it.
3: That's right. You can uh, really tune it to your own liking. Um, you know, we look at it as just a lifestyle vehicle where you're, you know, you're cruising around in your neighborhood or some other amenities that may be local. Um, you're seeing a lot of that as people are transitioning out of the automobile. It just makes it a little more fun for them and their families.
0: And when you... Order a golf car from Club Car. Will you ask if they want it to be street legal, and so you have to put those extra attachments or special qualifications on it so it goes a little faster?
3: Yeah, that's a that's a great question. So there is a street legal um, you know opportunity. It's not inside the Onward vehicle, uh, but certainly since we made the acquisition of Berea, now have an LSV that's a little broader. We did have a product prior in our villager selection, but now the Guerrilla selection gives a whole new meaning to um you know the L S V world. And that is street legal where you can drive it on the streets. It does have, you know, the turning signals, the seat belts, the ROPs, rollover protection, um, and just gives you that added comfort as you're driving down the street.
0: So for our listeners who may have a golf car but they don't have it street legal, can you share with us approximate costs to make it that way?
3: Um, yeah that's it's a it's a completely different product. Um, so there's, I would say the delta is probably around that six to seven thousand dollar range. Okay. It's not something you can add to your current vehicle. You'd really have to go in and oh okay, create a new one.
0: Okay, and Mark, what's the percentage of golf carts being gas or electric?
3: Oh, that's a good question. So today, we've seen a big lift in lithium ion, as you've seen that in the auto space. Um, so electric is really surging uh, in the industry today. You get a little more range out of it and certainly longevity. Um, I would say you're probably in that eighty percent range that are now in the electric space.
0: Oh, wow. That's uh, much more than I thought. Um, and that's because of the lithium batteries and that they last longer?
3: yeah, it it makes it easier, right? So when you think about it, you know gas vehicles are are certainly very functional. Um, but as the world's trying to turn green, that gives them a different option to consider. And lithium has become very stable and more adopted, so we're seeing a big push there.
0: And a, and, and there's a huge difference in the noise factor in the golf carts, whether they be electric or gas, too.
3: That's true. There is. Yeah. A lot quieter.
0: Yeah, the electric is a lot quieter. Um, you mentioned to me something that I know you can't talk about for 60 days, but I, I want you to tease our audience with this. Uh, tell us a little bit more about the consumer car
3: oh yeah well it's the um, we've been working on bringing a new product to market for quite some time as we've kind of chatted about over the over the months and we're getting very close in the next 60 days you should start to see some marketing ticklers out there uh, introducing the product and'm very excited it's a product that we really took a great deal of Uh, time and effort around uh, designing it from inside and out to bring comfort to wherever you want to go. And again, it's more of that lifestyle vehicle, um, but it's built more around that family experience and uh, just a lot more fun. So a couple of tags with you know, the joy bringers will be the the sun seekers. Um, you You just think about any kind of Logan, you want to add to it, it's just going to be a very exciting product inside of our portfolio.
0: And, Mark, how have sales been during this critical time over the last couple of years for club cars? I mean, a lot of the golf manufacturers and the apparels have been skyrocketed with sales increases in double digits. How are you all doing with that? Uh,
3: Absolutely the same. It's been amazing, um, but also quite challenging, as you can imagine, uh, inside inside this environment, very difficult from a supply base, right, but also trying to keep your teams healthy and safe. And so we took a lot of precautions in making sure that we protected those folks that were building these vehicles and kept operations going. So it's just been an amazing time. And, I think it's unprecedented, and I'm not sure I ever want to see it again.
0: Yeah,
4: right. Um,
3: I'd love to keep the volume, but don't want to see a pandemic again.
0: Well, it it gives you an opportunity, though, to look inside to see what you could do to do better. And maybe without it, you wouldn't have had that opportunity.
3: Without a doubt. Yeah, we'll look back on this time. Yeah. There's been some tremendous learnings. Um, you know, there's a lot of challenges, as I shared, but the team's figured out ways to overcome and continue to produce at these record paces.
0: And the supply chain delivery, is that, has that, you've been able to work on that and make it a little bit less time than you had before in, in the beginning of this pandemic that we were in?
3: Yeah, not really, but what we've been able to do is manage our flexibility on what we built. Right? Gotcha. So it's, you, know, you do have a certain amount of material on hand. and depending on how your supply is supporting you, um, or the deliveries are taking place, you know, we've found a way just to be more flexible on the line and build what we can and continue to deliver on a very high volume.
0: Will you guys be at the PGA Show in January again?
3: Oh, yeah. Yeah. We're going to be there.
0: That's a big deal for a lot of people. And, you know, people that don't know about the PGA Show, they probably heard about it, but they know that, you know, the everyday person off the street can't go. but. It's a big time for you guys to meet with your clients, show off some of the new things that you're having, especially uh, adapting to this mobile world that we're in.
3: Well yeah, when you, it, first of all, you're right, I, we love to get close to the customer. Um, it's an exciting time to show off new product. Uh, it's also a nice time to learn about new products that are in the industry uh, and share ideas. But as you talk about the micromobility space, it's expanding, um, at a very rapid pace and so you have a lot of interested seekers on what's the new products on the road uh, not just in the golf car space so we'll be we'll bring we'll be bringing some very interesting products this year to the PGA show
0: and I know one of the products that you know people want is it's getting more common to hear music and that's why you have that sound bar addition that you can use on your customization of your golf cart but music is a big deal now
3: oh yeah music is a big seller um... Both in the golf cars as well as in the personal vehicles, uh, it is our number one take rate option.
0: Premium seats have also got to be a great upgrade because I've been in some golf carts and the seats are not very comfortable.
3: It kind of makes it hard to get in a vehicle without the custom seats anymore, doesn't it? Rick? It
0: is. You know, it's 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 like you know when I was growing up, and I know I'm dating myself, having the plastic on the sofas, you know. <laughs> You know, you just kind of slide across. I mean, yeah, the custom seats are just, I mean, they're incredibly comfortable.
3: Very comfortable. I hate to admit it, I remember those plastic covers.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry to say we're in the same boat. I understand that. So give us the website so our listeners can go to your site and take a look at all that Club Car offers.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Come visit us at clubcar.com, and I uh, would love to uh, help you with the development of a new onward vehicle, but also take a look at all the portfolio.
0: Mark, I can't express to you enough my thanks for being with us. I've enjoyed our relationship, and enjoy the President's Cup, and uh, I'm sure we'll talk via text or whatever before you go down there.
3: Yeah, thank you, Rich. It's a joy to, to join your show. Thank you very much. Thank you.
0: Mark Raquel of uh, Club Car, always a pleasure going to the President's Cup, and we'll talk more to him about that experience, because that is going to be one great event coming up in Charlotte. And our next guest is Gary Williams, and he'll be up, formerly of the Golf Channel, now with five clubs, podcasts. And we'll talk to him in a minute about some of the things at Golf Channel, uh, some of the issues going on. Interesting news this week from LIV about some of the restrictions on the players that uh, now that we've been able to look inside some of those uh, previously disclosed contracts, it'll be interesting to see Pat Perez saying that he's now disappointed, maybe didn't look at everything. We'll be interested to talk about that, but now we want to talk to you about monthly specials created by the local elementary schools at C.J.'s Italian Restaurant. Fall uh, small hello, small family-owned and operated business, and, mo- and their food is made in the kitchen from scratch every morning, including the pizza doughs, the breads, the sauces, the dressings, the toppings, the meatballs, the lasagnas, and that list will go on and on and on. Produce is delivered fresh and prepared daily. They take pride in their food, their customer service, which they do a great job of, and they're known for their deep-dish pizza. But their thin crust and their cauliflower crust pizzas are incredible. So is everything else. One of my favorites, as you know. CJ's Italian Restaurant. Check out the full menu at CJ'sItalianRestaurant.com.
2: I'm Grayson Sig, and I play professional golf. Welcome to the Back Nine Boys podcast show.
0: And welcome back. I'm Rich Stiles. Our next guest uh, was with Golf Channel for quite a long time. Now he's with uh, five clubs. Uh, let's welcome Gary Williams to the Back Nine Boys Golf Show. Good morning, Gary. Good
2: morning, guys. How are y'all?
0: Doing wonderful. How are you?
2: Doing really well. It's uh, It's been very, very enjoyable to be at a place that I grew up playing golf and, and kind of learned the game, which is Richard Country Club. U.S. Um, you know, been a, it's been a terrific week. These kids are most of them are kids. Stuart Hagestad, who launched is, is not a kid, but they are um, supremely talented, and uh, they're impatient. They, they, just, they, they just are not going to wait their turn. They just are capable of doing anything.
0: Yeah, and that's, that. That's a joy to watch that, and to see their confidence, and their abilities, and their mentalness—if that's a word. Um, you know, they're just ready to play anybody.
2: Truly. And I, you know, being out there the last three days, one thing about when you look at seating in a U.S. Amateur, I think it, it needs to be understood that this is a 36-hole play qualifier over two golf courses. They're not that familiar with it. I don't, I don't consider, you know, a lot of these matches to be significant upsets based on the seating, but they're also capable. I mean, the fact that you had, you had a 15-year-old kid, in in the quarterfinals, you had a young man who plays Division three golf in the quarterfinals, and you've got two kids who are going to play each other today in the semifinals: <laughs> Ben Carr and uh, Derek Hitchin, itchner Who, you know, they're, they're they're obviously very good college players, but they don't have the profile. Right. Kids on the other side, um, again, there's just there's a level of poise and and preparedness that I don't think was present among the depth. Amateur golfers twenty years ago.
0: No, not at all. And we're we're thrilled because uh, Ben Carr is from Georgia Southern, which is not yeah. far from us. And it's just it's just. A, I saw his interview yesterday. He seemed pretty emotional about it that he was being able to advance even more.
2: Yeah, you know, I, I think that you know when you when you start to make a run in an amateur and the diminishing returns of, of looking around and going, oh my God, there's only eight of us left.
4: Here, yeah, right. There
2: is there's something that affects you. Plus, I also think that. We're all aware of this, in, in talking to them yesterday. And I don't, I don't want to project ahead, but it's natural. But look, the winners today know that one of the greatest consolation prizes in golf awaits the the, the two winners today. Because tomorrow you want to win the U.S. Amateur, but you're still going to the Masters, and that is a huge deal. And, and oh, yeah. Eric here. we talked to him last night. He said, "I, I, I cannot." not think about that and he said I, as much as I think about it it doesn't seem real it doesn't seem true and, and so these are these are emotions and intellectual thoughts that you know most of these kids have never had before
0: yeah and this is golf at its purest I mean there aren't I mean the distractions are obviously there not as much as when you move up to the next level but this is golf at its purest where they're out there their friends and family are there kind of comfortable surroundings on a golf course against other college players. and and U.S. amateurs, I think it's just a very cool site.
2: It it is, and I will tell you, yesterday, Richwood Country Club did a a really special thing. One man in particular, the gentleman, Dave Rapetto, took on the task of trying to find 200 players from the 1974 amateur that was held there 48 years ago. Oh, wow. Found almost 180 of them. And they were all invited back to this lunch yesterday, and many of them came, including the guy, Jerry Pate, who won the Amateur. And I'm out there yesterday watching matches, and there's Jerry Pate walking close to these matches 48 years after he won the event on that golf course. And I I, had a nice chat with him, and that that is a special quality that you you don't see in other elite competitions. You know, the scale of the events are so big uh, this there, there's an intimacy to this um, that is kind of it's a walk back in time.
0: Yeah, yeah, it really is, and it's really kind of cool that the guys wanted to come back and see what was going on because that's where their careers started. All right, Gary, let's talk about the elephant in the room of what's going on in this battle between the PGA Tour and Live. What are your What's your take on it?
2: Um, I think that the PGA Tour uh, went into this going back to. Look, this was something they were aware of well before the, the start right. of the new year. Right. And I think that, that they, they leaned in way too much on their own tradition, uh, their own legacy, and, and didn't realize that they were, they were fighting an opponent that does not care about any of those things. And that they, they have made an entry into other sports uh, in, a, in a very abrupt way, whether it be F1, whether it be UFC, whether it be women's golf, um, whether it be the Premier League uh, in soccer, that the Saudis don't care. And if they want something, they just go take it. Right. I think the PGA Tour, look, it's very hard to fight a, an opponent that doesn't apply market principles to the business that they're entering into. And, and I, I think that there was a level of arrogance, um, which I think was short-sighted on their part when they showed up at the players, acted yeah. as if the threat had been killed. Yeah. I thought that was that was naive on their part, and now uh, what they're doing, you know, look, they're they're chasing something now because they got behind it. Yeah, um, and I think that they are, from what I understand, doing a number of good things. But this is not going to stop the defections. There's going to be more, as you guys know, when when the, the PGA Tour playoffs end next week at East Lake. There's going to be a handful of players that are going to make the move and turn up in Boston for the next live event. Um, I, I think that ultimately, what we're going to find here. As we know now what the court date is going to be with respect to uh, the players suing the PGA Tour is not going to come till 2024. I think ultimately there will be a cleansing. And what I mean by that is they're never going to partner with Live Golf. That's not going to happen. I agree. What I think is There will be a re-entry point for some players to play, whether it be five, seven events on the PGA Tour. So they will acquiesce to some degree because they're losing value with the, with the quality of fields that they need, uh, because that exists in contracts with, with corporate sponsors. Right. But I do not think a partnership will ever happen.
0: No, I don't either. Um, there might be some kind of a uh, you know combined uh, solution, but uh, a partnership, no. Do you think Jay Monahan has handled the situation correctly?
2: Uh, no, I think that there have been there have been things that Jay has done, including, again, uh, the the Players Week. Yeah. uh, As I said that week, I said, look, they they, they won a little battle. They didn't win the war here. And I I thought that, you know, the PGA Tour has become such a dominant force in professional golf that they have not, they haven't faced a threat like this really ever. Um, So I'm not saying that um, it was natural to feel this way. I think that Jay... Uh, was in a position of reacting too much as yeah. opposed to being proactive, and I think they're trying to get themselves back in, in that position. I do think that Jay has always been somebody who, who listens intently uh, to his players, uh, and he has no choice now. And I, I think that from what I understand that that Rory and Tiger uh, specifically <clears throat> have taken on a very significant role being essentially uh, the, the conduit from the pga tour directly to the players with messaging um but i I think that jay has a chance to write this but i think they're in this position because i I think that they were not they they did not prepare themselves properly for what this threat really was which is a hostile takeover with no desire to to make sure that anybody's feelings are maintained or not damaged the 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 saudi government the, the sovereign wealth fund those guys, like I said earlier, um, they don't take into consideration anybody else's concerns. All they care about is their end game, And that was misunderstood by the PGA Tour, and they're paying the price for it now.
0: Yeah, and bottomless budgets. I mean, they don't care what they spend. They're not looking for a return. Uh, they just want more and more.
2: Yeah, and I think that, you know, at some point... You know, the, the, the and, and I've 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 tried to study this as best I can to understand. You know what the public investment fund right. is as they kind of prepare themselves for a post uh, you know not not oil dependent economy. And as they look at themselves ten years from now, um, I, I they, there has to be some kind of end game. There has to be some strategy to where they feel like this was this was well planned and and what they've done. To, to be kind of a loss leader, to project themselves as a society and as a government uh, to, to be in a better place than they were when they started this. doesn't mean it, it, it's a monetary thing, uh, but at some point they have to say this has worked or it hasn't worked. And I don't know if that's two years from now or five years from now, but they have to do that examination. Um, but, I, but it's not going to happen tomorrow, and that's why they're going to continue to acquire assets dribble up as much of what is the most important thing to the PGA Tour, which is their players as best they can.
0: Yeah, I was in the North Carolina mountains for a couple of days and met with some lifelong friends, and one of them said to me, what do you think the business model is for LIV? And I said, spend. I mean, all it is is spend and disrupt at this point.
2: Yeah, that, that is, that the, the, the word that you just used, I think, is or disrupt. They are they are a disruptive force, and and they have somebody who is leading them, and Greg Norman, who is, you know, in in many circles in golf is a very toxic figure, but in many ways for their objective, the perfect figure. Um, I, I wonder though whether whether Greg's sustainability, if they get to this point of trying to find some level of coexistence, if that's maintainable for the RNA for the PGA tour for the other entities in the ecosystem look at him and go you're too disruptive if we're going to make this happen you've been so inflammatory toward everything in an effort to gain their objectives
4: which
0: yeah.
2: he's doing right now yeah i just wonder for him where where two years from now where he's going to be
0: yeah i thoroughly believe that when he says coexist i mean they're not he's not trying to do that and I don't think, as you just said, that they can do that with him there. So there could be a pretty big change when, whenever that does happen. Gary, we had to take Please. a quick break. Stay with us. We'll be right back with Gary Williams with Five Clubs right after this on the Back Nine Boys Golf Show.
2: Hi, this is Jimmy Roberts from NBC Sports, and you are listening to the Back Nine Boys Golf Show.
0: And welcome back. I'm Rich Stiles. We're with uh, Gary Williams uh, with uh, Five Clubs, and Gary, we've been talking about Liv. We've been talking about Norman. Uh, not being in the position, maybe in a couple of years. But let's also talk about what's come out with all these suits that have happened. We've been able to, you know, kind of get into some of these contracts with uh, LIV and the players and a lot more restrictions than I think the players might have thought or maybe they didn't look at the fine-tuning, but it seems a lot more restrictive to them than it was for them on the PGA Tour.
2: I think that's a very fair assessment. I, I think that, you know, for, for all of the bluster about ushering in free agency in, in professional golf, they are, they are uh, more stringent on, on what their players can do uh, far more than, than the PGA Tour. Yeah. Now you can say, well, wait a second, they're letting them play on the PGA Tour. That, that They're letting them play there as a way to showcase Live golf in, in weeks in which Live Golf is not playing. Right, they have a one hundred percent, one hundred percent commitment to play every single live event, no matter where it is, whether it's whether it's uh, Bogota or, or whether it is Bangkok or, or whether it's yeah. Bangor, Maine. Yeah, we have got to be at all of these events. Not to mention uh, the other things that they are doing with respect to messaging, uh, advertising, sponsorship. So you know, these guys are not. Yep arbitrarily putting, like, live golf on their hats, on their sleeves, on their collars. These are all things negotiated into these contracts, which are, which, again, whatever they say that they've got to do based on the guaranteed money that they have received, which is a very different dynamic than the PGA Tour, these guys have to do it. That is totally different than the existence that they have, currently on the PGA tour.
0: Correct. And sometimes when you see the amount of money that they were given, some you know got more up front than others, uh sometimes you overlook the fine print because you're looking at the big number.
2: Yeah, and I I, I think that that's true. I I'd, I'd like to believe that you know these guys were well represented by lawyers looking yeah. at the language in these contracts, but yeah. this is this is such a new um, thing for all of these players to, to look at guaranteed money in a sport in which it was all based on the merits of performance, with the exception of all the things that you can get from sponsorship away from the golf course, this is, this is NFL-like money, this is NBA-like money, uh, it's uncertain of waters, but, but to not know to the degree that I, I think these players weren't necessarily fully aware of, of the, the commitment that is required of them. Um, I think is true. And I, I think what, what's also going to be interesting for, for them going forward is you know the idea of, of okay, this, this money's great, but you know their brands, are their brands going to be solely associated with live golf? Mm-hmm. Because a lot of great players have provided other avenues to advance what they want to do beyond the game of golf. And for all these players who have gone to live, when I find it to be, I find that this messaging to be very hollow that they want to play less. Wait a second. You're telling me that you spent your entire young life building toward the dream of playing at the highest level at 28, 30, 32. You, you, you now want to play less golf. Yeah. It's so counterintuitive to everything that they've ever tried to do up until this point. So um, I'm, I'm really interested in seeing what the next year looks like. And also, Look, the President's Cup is going to be in the town that I now reside in, which is Charlotte. Uh, is it going to look like, um, you know, something that, that was nothing like we thought it was going to look like in yeah. terms of the depth on the international side? Obviously, some of the American players that may or may not have been on that team, those type of events, the Ryder Cup coming up in Italy next year, and will the, will the European tour acquiesce to some degree? And I was told last week by somebody very close to some players on the European side that the likelihood of re-entry to the, the, the European Ryder Cup system is far more likely to happen than they, on the American side. I, I find all of these things that we're going to see going into 23 yep. and into 24 to be really, really
0: interesting. I do, too. And, you know, the Europeans have a score to settle, so that may be one of their reasons for doing that. Yes. But look at what happened yesterday. Pat Perez now having second thoughts about because he said, I'm not sure I made the right decision.
2: You know, I, I read what, what Pat said, and I, I think that, look, he, he, he was very careful about making sure that he said that he was 100% committed right. to live golf, but, but you know, I, I, I do believe that I, I understand his sentiment. Like, this is a great cash grab for him. Like, whoever thought, as he is on, you know, the backside of, of 40 now, to get this found money, not to mention the purses that they're going to play for. But Pat Perez plays golf. That's what he does. Yeah. And, and beyond the age of 50, Pat always envisioned himself playing PGA Tour champions. And I think we're choosing himself from this suit leaves himself the opportunity for when this cleansing happens, which there's an inevitability, to whatever degree it does happen, that there is a reentry for him to play beyond the age of 50, which I think he has every intention to want to do. So I'm not surprised he did it. He also is very careful to say, I'm I'm 100% behind my decision to go, and I'm 100% committed to live. But I think it was smart on his part to get out of the season because nothing is going to be decided on it for over a year anyway.
0: Right, right. But I've also heard that the live is a pre-champions tour, which if you look at the ages of a lot of the guys – I totally agree with that and understand that. Um, but let me ask you one more point before we, we've got about a minute left. What do you think about the suit between Reed and the Golf Channel, where you were I, and Brandel uh...
2: You know, I read the suit and I find it to be—I find it to be a complete, utter waste of time. Totally. Um, the, the the man who is representing him um, has is you know look, lawyers by their very nature. Uh, they have a litigious bent to them. Uh, I find this to be one of the more imbecilic lawsuits that I've ever seen. Yeah. Uh, the, the frivolity of the whole thing is embarrassing to Patrick Reed, uh, and and the fact that money is going to have to be wasted, whatever degree it is,
4: to
0: yep.
2: defend Golf Channel and Randall Shibley, uh is
0: is preposterous. Yeah, and the amount is just it's just insane. Gary, can't thank you enough for taking the time. Enjoy the U.S. Amateur, and uh, hopefully we can talk again soon. I look forward to it. Have a great weekend. All right, you too. Gary Williams, formerly of the Golf Channel, now with five clubs talking about all this LIV, and I know you've heard enough about it. I have too, but it's not over, and we're going to hear more about it. So thanks for listening to us on the Back Nine Boys Golf Show. Hear us every week on BackNineBoys.com and on ESPNCoastal.com. Thank you for being with us. Have a great weekend. Hit them
4: straight.